Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. All right, let's get into this. So, last week we, we began a new series called Overcome. Uh, and the subtitle, because I like subtitles, is The Blood and the Word. And we will continue with part two uh, this morning. And we, we began by talking about the, the blood. Revelation chapter 12, verse number 10 says this, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of, of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. Verse 11 is our, kind of our golden text, our main text. It says this, that they overcame him. Who did they overcome? They overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. We're talking about power or what the power is in the blood. Now, we got to understand this. How many, we asked this last week, and most of you know this. Maybe some of you don't. Maybe some online don't realize this. We're in a spiritual battle. There's a spiritual fight. Our battle, the scripture says uh, in 1 Corinthians, it says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness. And, and it doesn't take long to figure out that this world has darkness in it. Does it take long to figure that out? You know, um, sometimes as, as believers, you can get uh, overly frustrated with the darkness in the world, but you shouldn't because it, it was stated that it would be there. Amen. And so what we need to understand, even though we do need to understand our enemy and what, how he operates and what he does and, uh, and, and how he influences us, what we need to understand is our victory in Christ. This verse says in verse 11 uh, uh, here in Revelation, verse 12, verse 11, it says, they overcame him. By what? The blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So in the spirit, that blood or blood must be a big deal. You see that? Blood must be a big deal in the spirit. So why is that important to us? Well, we know it's the blood of the lamb. Who was the lamb? Jesus was the lamb. So how do we get to God? If, if, if it's obviously through Jesus, we, we, we know that as believers, but, but what needed to happen to pay the price for me to be able to get to God, Jesus had to shed his blood. The Bible actually says that the blood is sitting on the, or, or poured or there on the mercy seat. And it's declaring righteousness, justice. We're going to look at a few things that it declares. But there's victory in that blood. So if you're born of Christ, if you've been born again, you actually have a champion in you. You've got a champion bloodline. How many ever heard of uh, the Kentucky Derby? How many ever heard of American Pharaoh? Let me read you something to give you a little perspective on this. American Pharaoh was a winner of the coveted 2015 Triple Crown title for thoroughbred racehorses. The extraordinary racehorse won the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, and the Belmont Stakes, which is a phenomenal achievement. What grabbed people's attention, however, was his heritage. 
American Pharaoh is the great, great, great grandson of Secretariat, who was the winner of the Triple Crown in 1973. Secretariat was the beloved champion thoroughbred whose records set 40 years ago or more are still unbroken to this day. Do you know anybody that set a record in the spirit that is still unbroken till today that you might be born of? What made him outstanding was not only his physique, but also his pedigree, which he passed on to the champions in his bloodline. One of those thoroughbreds, as mentioned before, was American Pharaoh. He became the 12th horse in this bloodline to win the Triple Crown. It was, an, it was interesting, it is interesting to see just how many champion racehorses were actually in Secretariat's bloodline. In fact, the top five finishers in the Kentucky in the Kentucky Derby, and all contenders in the 2015 Preakness were descendants of Secretariat. One of his grandsons, Stormcat, that's a cool name, was among the preeminent stallions of his time. Stormcat's owners had sired him 1,400 times, and you know what that means, and there were those who were willing to pay $500,000 just to breed him once. Greatness was in his blood. American Pharaoh um, shared the same characteristics as his famous great-great-great-grandfather, Secretariat. One observer said to him, he can run in the mud or on dry tracks, on the rail or to the outside, come from behind or stay in the lead. Generations later, the same championship status is in his bloodline. In this world of championship horse breeding, the pedigree of the sire defines the value and expectation set on those in his bloodline. Likewise, Christians have been refathered by God, which puts us in the bloodline of Christ. The firstborn from the dead. Jesus' pedigree, I love this, is one of complete victory in every area of life. Jesus won in three places, hell, heaven, and the heart of the believer. He triumphed over hell and all of the devil's works. His blood has opened heaven and gives us boldness in, in the very presence of God. It reaches into the hearts of believers and removes the guilt and stain of sin. The blood of Jesus purchases, purges our consciences and silences the voice of self-condemnation. Jesus Christ is the greatest champion of all, all time. His name is famous. He overcame tremendous adversity, rejection, betrayal, crucifixion, and even death. If you have been born of God, you are an overcomer with his pedigree. You should never say, I'm only human. Instead, because you share Christ's bloodline, you should say, I'm also human. God has a reputation for taking some real losers and making them champions. More knowledge concerning the blood of Jesus will increase our faith. Faith in his blood explodes when we know what it has done for us, what it purchased for us, and what it will do in us. 
Through increased faith in the blood of Jesus, the church will rise to defeat the powers of darkness. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Remember this. What was true about the great secretariat and his descendants is true about every person who has been born of God. You can run in the mud or on dry tracks, on the rail or to the outside, come from behind or stay in the lead. You are in the bloodline of the champion. You are in the bloodline of Jesus Christ. Andrew Murray said this, faith is largely dependent on knowledge. If knowledge of what the blood can accomplish is not accurate, then faith expects little. And the more powerful effects of the blood are limited. Feeble ideas of its power prevent the deeper and more perfect manifestations of its effects. Amen. Amen. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. How many think bloodline's important? Genesis chapter 3, and I just want to take just a few minutes here this morning and look at a few things concerning the blood to increase your faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So you don't want to just hear what I have to say about it. You want to hear what the word of God says about it. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 20, it says this, Adam uh, and Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. How many know that? Genesis chapter 3 is the account where evil got into the earth. Now, I'm not going to go into this right now because I can't talk about the devil or give you a full description of what he's like. But I will say this. On our website, there are two messages that I did. One is called Unmasking the Enemy, and one is called Spirit Wars. And if you go back, if you want more detailed teaching on the devil, demons, how they operate, what they do, go back and listen to those teachings. I think there's a total of maybe 16 or so teachings between the two. And we got into more, I got into more detail. But Genesis chapter 3 is the account where Adam and Eve decided to disobey God, right? And they ended up opening the door to the enemy. How many of you know that disobedience will open the door to the enemy in your life? Even as a believer, now people think, well, does that mean I lose my salvation if I disobey? No, we're not talking about that. You cannot, I'm just going to say this like this. I don't even like the phrase, you, you lose your salvation. Like, it implies that you misplaced it somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like you lost your car keys or something. Your salvation is not that weak. That you can just wake up one day and go, I don't know where it went. Now, if you reject the Lord, that's different. But lose your... I don't even like the phrase. Uh, to me, it leaves people uh, that are still growing in the Lord, which is all of us, but some that are maybe even newer in the Lord. It leaves them in a place of constant having to fight condemnation, unnecessary things that the enemy is trying to do and to cooperate. How many have noticed that you have the propensity to sin after you got saved, even though you know you got saved? Okay, that doesn't, that's because your spirit became brand new. Your head and your body are still the same. Amen. I've got some news for you. If you were bald before you got saved, you're still bald. Uh, if you had a full head of hair before you got saved, you still have it afterwards. 
How many realize this, that if you lived a riotous life before you were saved, that's still in your thinking, but it's not in your heart, and God is not holding it against you because of the power of the blood. You have overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And come on, the word of your testimony. How, people say, what? How did, how, what do you mean the word? How did you get saved? You believed in your heart and you confessed with your, hello. Victory is literally just a few inches down from your brain. And just a few inches up from your spirit. So if you'll learn to speak from here instead of here, your victory will manifest here at a higher level. But you've got to have some knowledge. Because knowledge brings boldness. Knowledge brings faith. As long as it's the knowledge of the written word of God. There is this empowerment inside the word of God. Oh, I'm having a good time right now. There is this empowerment inside of the word of God. It is called the faith of God. And when you hear the word of God, the faith of God is imparted into the heart of man. And when the heart of man receives the faith of God and then vocalizes that faith from their spirit man, the victory of God is then manifested in your natural life. Shoo, I'm having fun. Genesis chapter 3 is the place where the enemy got in. And what is the response of God concerning the enemy's entrance? It isn't rejection of Adam and Eve, but rather restoration. God's not looking to kill you. Listen, if God wanted you dead, you'd be dead. Amen. He's working to keep you alive. He loves you. Oh, no, I don't believe it. Yes, he does. He loves you so much. He's willing. He was willing to go all the way to hell for you. God is so against people going to hell that Jesus went there so we wouldn't have to. Woo, that's good news. That'll make you smile in the morning. Come on, are we blessed? We're blessed. We're so blessed in Christ Jesus. Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve, verse 20. Adam and Eve called, or Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord made what? He made... You, we, 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 you, you don't know that word. I mean, people think tunics. What? What's a tunic? Tunic is a shirt, a coat, or a garment. It is a robe in the Hebrew. Of what did he make those of? What did Adam and Eve clothe themselves with after they sinned? That's religion. That's man's attempt to deal with his own sin to get back to God. And God says, nope. I've got to be the one that gets you back to me. And so he took of his creation. And what, if you're going to make some clothing out of animal skin, what do you have to do to the animal? Sorry to all those that don't like fur coats. Or leather anything. Where the culture wants to save the animal, God would rather kill the animal to save the human. 
to save the culture. Because you're more valuable than the animal. I said, you're more valuable than the animal. I said, you're on a different class. You're on a different level. You're, you're way more valuable than an animal. Way more valuable. So what happens when an animal is killed? Blood is. And this is where God preached the gospel to them for the first time. Blood was shed, which means what? Their sins were covered. Now, ours are removed. In fact, they don't even exist. People said, oh yeah, the Holy Spirit the other day, he brought back my old sin that I committed. No, he didn't. He's got amnesia about your sins. The same as God does. It's under the blood. God is not relating to you based on your, come on now think about it, based on your disobedience. He's relating to you based on Christ's obedience. If he's not, then the blood wasn't as effective as, as, as the Bible says it is. Amen. Come on, this is where we get into things, and, and it does. It takes faith to believe these things because we know who we are in our thinking and in our natural. I should say this. We know things about ourselves which we try to hide from others and hope God doesn't see, but you got to realize this. He's not looking at you. If you're born again, if you're born again, you got to be born again. He's not looking at you through your eyes or somebody else's eyes or their opinion or somebody else's opinion. Do you know God believes that Jesus' work did it? He's looking at you the way Christ sees you. He sees you the way he sees Christ. Paul put it this way, it's no longer I who lives, but who lives in me. That's good news. The blood of Jesus is so effective that God can, even after you sin, God can say, come boldly. Not do penance for four weeks first. Not try to, listen, people, people get trapped in these religious circles, these religious gymnastics, these religious exercises, and their hearts are genuine, but their knowledge is off. You can actually do something you're not supposed to and go right back, turn around and go, Lord, ooh, that was wrong, and go right into the throne room and God will not go, smack, smack, smack. You need to pay for that. I'm going I'm to take that sin out of your hide. That would mean that Jesus' work wasn't complete. And people say, well, yeah, but people sin and stuff goes wrong. But that's not God doing that. That's a repercussion of the world you live in, which has a law working in it of seed, time, and... If you're going to walk around as a Christian and lie to people, stop it. But guess what? People are not going to trust you. Cheat people in business and see how far it goes for you. But God will still go, hey, come here, you knucklehead. 
Stop doing that. And then he'll help you make the right decisions. And guess what will happen? It will open the door to what? The blessing that's already there. Uh, that God has already provided. If you want to reduce the amount of stress in your family, stop fighting. With your spouse. Stop it. Well, I just can't help it. That's what the Bible says. That you have the fruit of the Spirit. I just can't help it. You received the helpless Jesus. That's, that's what you received the weak, weak Jesus that hasn't given. And people yet, have you, have you missed it in the area of self-control before? Yes. Is it paid for under the blood? Yes. And what, does, what is God's design in spiritual maturity? Thank God for the blood. If we didn't have the blood, if we were still functioning under the law of works, we'd all be dead. But guess what the blood does? It doesn't cry out like Abel's blood for revenge. It cries out according to Hebrews for what? Mercy. It cries out for mercy, atonement, payment, grace, empowerment, freedom. How many have ever tried to stop doing something without God's help? How frustrated were you? Come on, I could raise both hands and both feet if I could. <laughs> it's so frustrating. But that's what religion does. Relationship empowers you to overcome. And grants mercy and grace to help when you miss it. That's the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is just like that. So new clothing, God's response to Adam and Eve's faith was to remove their flimsy man-made garments and clothe them with acceptable garments that he himself provided. Innocent animals had to die so that the man and the woman might have a new beginning and be back in relationship with the Lord. It's a picture of what Jesus did for sinners on the cross when he died for this sinful world. We know this from 2 Corinthians 5.21. The blood is so important because it is the only payment sufficient enough for sin. Sin demands payment, and payment is death. Or we could say blood. This brought Adam and Eve back into relationship with God. In order to operate in the authority of the family and overcome the devil, we have to be in the family. The only way we could get back into the family of God was through the sacrifice of Jesus, the shedding of blood. So in your notes, if you want to write this, the effects of the blood. The first effect we're going to look at is salvation. Salvation is an act of being born again, being saved from eternal damnation. John chapter 3, verse number 3 says this, Jesus answered and said to him, this is Nicodemus, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How is it possible that a person could be born again? Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. John chapter 3, verse number 17, same chapter, just a little bit further down in the verses. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Oh, praise God. <laughs> praise the Lord. God is not, did not come to condemn. Jesus does not have the ministry of condemnation. 
In other words, Jesus didn't come and go, you have sin, you sinner, you sin, 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 sin. You're, you're wrong, you're bad, you're evil, you're terrible, you're terrible, you're terrible, you're terrible. He didn't come and sit on one side. What did he come with? A message of redemption. Now people say, well, yeah, but they got to understand that they're sinners. Yeah, I can hear your thoughts. Keep thinking them. I preach like Jesus. You say, what do you mean by that? Go read through the Gospels and see how many times Jesus said, you're saying in your heart you want to kill me. This is how Jesus preached. In the seeker-sensitive church world today, you can't do that because the people won't come back. Yet, but they won't deal with what's in their heart and they'll end up in hell. Amen. I still have not quit having fun. It still has not happened. <laughs> Listen. You have to balance out both sides of the, of the word of God. You have to walk the whole mountain. People say, yeah, but I, I know I need a savior. I know I have sin in my life. Right, but Jesus didn't come to just condemn you in that. He came to what? Pull you. Now, Jesus, even concerning sin, never ministered condemnation. Never. Not one time did he minister condemnation. He ministered conviction, but he never ministered condemnation. What did he do with the woman that was caught in the act of adultery? Did he just sit and talk to her about how bad she was? She already knew. And guess what? Everybody in this place has done something. You already know what you've done. It's there. What did he come minister? Life. What did he do? He, you watch this. The spirit of religion is all around her, ready to stone her, acting like their peer. And then Jesus ministers out of the Spirit of God. How many know you need the Holy Ghost when you're in that situation? I mean, these guys aren't playing around. They're not playing around. You say, what do you mean by that? They have stones. They walk around with rocks in their pockets. Religious leaders walk around. They, they, they knew how to stone somebody. They knew where to aim. Come on, they're aiming for the head, right? They know that under law... Even though they've, they've totally abandoned to a large degree sacrifice, mercy, love, forgiveness, all the things that God demonstrates a, a, about himself. They know that under law, they have the right to do certain things. And you know, they were out to murder Jesus anyway. Why? Bigger church. What? He had bigger crowds than the religious leaders. And you know what the spirit of jealousy will do. It'll make you pick up a rock. And, they, and, he, and, and what does Jesus do by the operation of conviction and grace and the leading of the Holy Spirit? He not only disarmed religion, he redeemed the adulterer. 
You say disarmed. Yeah, the Bible says that they dropped their stones and walked away. Because he said this, you without, go ahead and cast the first stone. I mean, that'll test your Bible school knowledge if you're ever in that situation. You without sin, go ahead. So what is Jesus administering? He's not administering condemnation. He's saying, listen, in the last part of verse, uh, John chapter 3, verse number 17 says this, the, that the world through him might be saved. I heard, I heard somebody say this, a uh, great preacher. Uh, this was a while back. I was watching uh, a message that he was sharing. He said, the message of the church is the same. People say this, well, I'm a, and, and you name it, I'm a liar. Yeah, God loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. Well, well, I'm a cheat and an adulterer. Yeah, God loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. Well, I'm a homosexual. Yeah, God loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I don't even know if I'm male or female or if I'm, I, I don't even know how I de- identify. I'm bisexual. I'm, there's so many different things now that, that the enemy keeps coming up with to deceive and destroy people. And God loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. Well, you don't know how I worked in, in, my, in my past. You don't know what I've done in my life up till this point. Yeah, God loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. And Jesus died for you. Well, I did these horrible things. Listen, Jesus would look at Hitler and say, I love you. I want a relationship with you. And people say, well, Hitler got what he deserved. Listen, you don't want to get what you deserve, so be careful what you run around holding legalism over others about. You want to show mercy. This is the blood. This is overcoming. This is the power of the resurrection. This is Jesus releasing forgiveness to the heart of every person, to the life of every person. There are those sitting in the room and you've not gone into the throne room like you should have because you still think God is holding something against you and he's not. In fact, your freedom is in the throne room, so go. Go. How do I go? Praise, worship. Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that the blood worked and it worked for me and it's before me. And that when you look at me, you see me the way I've been born again. Father, you know how messed up my head is and you know the nature of my flesh, but I need relationship, fellowship with you so that my thinking can be right and my action can come into line as it should. Yeah, but you don't know how egregious the sin was. You don't know how powerful the blood is. The blood can cleanse anything for those who are open and repentant. Mike was sharing this morning. You need to listen to the series that Mike's been doing in uh, Vessels of Honor. He did, he, this was his last one because we don't have Sunday morning service next week, but we, just the Christmas Eve. But Vessels of Honor, he's been teaching, and it's been so good. You need to listen to all three of them. The, the third one will be on the website this week sometime. <laughs> I think like Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't know. What day is it, Josh? 
Tuesday. It'll be on the website. But the other two, you need to listen to them. But this morning he was reading in 1 Corinthians. He tells the Corinthian church that they're kids. They're little children in their thinking. Do you know in the natural, we don't like words like that to us? Well, I'm, I'm, you know, even, even little kids don't like it. You know, little kids, they go, I'm big. I'm big, you know? How many did that as a kid? How many did it as an adult? You did, it just manifested differently, all right? <laughs> and he was, the Spirit of God was speaking through Mike and just talking about these different things that we do childish-wise, but he, Paul doesn't call the Corinthians unsaved even though they're living in jealousy, they're living in bitterness, and they're living in arguments among each other. He doesn't call them unsaved. He calls them immature. People say, well, I got this hang-up in my life. I got this sin. I know it's wrong. I don't want anything to do with it. I know, you just need to grow up. People say, oh, yeah, I want to do that. How did you grow up in the natural? I don't know about you, but I got corrected a lot. And according to my dad, it should have been more <laughs> than what I actually had. And I thought the punishment was unjust even once. But when you're a kid, you think that way. But the older you get in the Lord... You know, sometimes we're trying to have answers about things that won't come unless maturity sets in first. How many looking back now that you have kids, maybe your kids are grown or maybe you have younger kids and you think to yourself, I used to think like that. How many have said this to your kids? That's not reality. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. If only the world operated like that. <laughs> this is why the blood and the sacrifice of Christ was so necessary. We got to be careful that we don't weaken its effects once we're saved. We have to be careful that once we're saved... We don't get into works as earning relationship with God. Listen, if works could have got you into relationship with God in the first place, the law never would have been abolished. There's a reason why. And that is not an excuse to stay immature. But it gives you an understanding of why believers sometimes end up stuck in certain places in their lives. But how many realize you can change that at any time by getting with the Lord? All you have to do is get with the Lord. He'll fix you. He's a fixer. That's what he does. He's a, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All old things have passed away. Come on. Anybody know somebody who passed away? They're no longer here, right? That means your old man died and all things became new and all things are of God. People say, but it doesn't feel like it. I know it's in your spirit there, buddy, friend, believer. 
The change is in your spirit. Then we go to this word and the Holy Ghost within us as we're reading this word begins to change our thinking. And as it changes our thinking, then it changes our speaking. And when our thinking, speaking are in line with our new creation, we can actually dominate this dying part of us called a tent. We can dominate it. We can be like Jesus We can be like Paul said, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. We can actually release all of the resurrection power that is within us, that Christ put within us through our words and through our actions. We can actually become tender where we were hard. We can become forgiving where we were unforgiving. We can become healed where we were sick. We can become blessed where we were broke. Come on, and in disfavor with God. We can become, what do you mean by that? Become, we can actually manifest the salt and light that is already within us to the world that is around us. But many times the struggles with most believers is not that they don't know that that's so. It's that they don't see themselves the way God does. And so they remain stuck in patterns of death. Because they don't understand the power of the blood. But there's a cure for unbelief. It's called the word and knowledge. There's a cure for unbelief. If you want another good teaching, and it's eight parts, on the website, it's called the blood covenant. And I go into great detail on the blood. it's, It's from a book called The Miracle of the Scarlet Thread. And it talks about Jesus being preached from Genesis all the way through into the new covenant. There is on the mercy seat right now everything you need to overcome in this life. And it is called the purified blood of Jesus Christ. And so in, when we, as we get into this even more, we're going to talk about how to release that. How do we do that? And I'll give you a precursor just so you can practice it all week. Moving into, actually for the next two weeks, because I won't hit this again till, no, I probably won't hit this again for three Sundays, or three services. <laughs> Maybe I'll get, I'm sure it'll come out somewhere, because you get it in you. But I'll just give you, it's the second part of that verse in Revelation. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the... So you need to become, as Mark Hankins says, really good at slinging the blood everywhere. Oh, I don't like that. What do you think they did under the Old Testament? They'd take some hyssop and they'd dip it in blood of the sacrifice and they would over the people, over the book, over the law. Oh my, this is so powerful. I am telling you what Jesus has placed. He has slung his blood all over creation. And he's just waiting for people to say, I receive, I receive, I take that. And then once you receive it, then you can claim it. You can plead it. So if I was going to plead something in a court case, the judge might say, how do you plead? And I would say, not guilty because of the blood. 
And you have an accuser called Satan running around trying to accuse you of all these things. But you've got an advocate next to you. His name is Jesus Christ the righteous. And he says, say this, plead my blood. Plead not guilty. Some of you docile personalities out there. You say, you're going to become radical. You're going to become radical. Because you're going you're to understand who you are in Christ. And people are going to look at you and they're going to call you arrogant. And they're going to call you all these different things. But you know who you are. And you're going to love them without restraint. Why? Because you know where your identity comes from. You think you're better than me. You think just because you got free in that area, you think you're better than me. You think you, you, think you are going to go further than me. And there's all this competition that's natural in the world. And in the midst of that, you say, no, I don't think you're better. I don't think I'm better than you. I know somebody who's better than all of us, and he wants to put you in the bloodline. Amen. He wants to put you in the bloodline. Come on. Secretariat won the triple crown. So did American Pharaoh. Jesus Christ beat the devil. And because of your bloodline, you can beat him too. By the blood of the lamb. Now, if I could just get the docils to speak... You don't have to go tell everybody, but in your bedroom, in your, when you're by yourself, I don't care if you got to hide somewhere. I have a good friend of mine, Pastor Jeremy Vester in Glendive, Montana. He said he was so insecure, he was nervous around himself. <laughs> I am not that person. But he was that way. I don't care if you're in your car by yourself and you're having a day and the enemy's coming. You go, in the name of Jesus Christ, I plead the blood. I declare the blood. Devil, you have no right to be in my stuff. You have no right to be in my thinking. You have no right to be in my physical body. You have no right to be on my children. You have no right to be in my lineage. You have no right to be on my property. Wherever the sole of my foot does tread, there I have authority. I've been told in Luke chapter 12 that I can tread 10, tread on serpents and scorpions and over all, 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 all the power of the enemy. Why? I've got new blood in me listen my kids will not rebel my marriage will not go under my business will not fail come on I'm going to be salt and light wherever I go it's you tell people it's too bad you were born into my family because I'm going to pray for you until Jesus comes or you repent one or the other but I'm going to pray for you and your life will be changed because of the blood. Because, see, we can run in the mud and on dry ground, along the rail or on the outside. We can come from behind and stay in the lead. Why? Jesus. Jesus. You're more than a conqueror. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in me. That spirit quickens and makes alive my mortal body. 
By the power of the Holy Spirit within me, Romans 8, 13, I put to death the deeds of the body. Come on, I dominate addiction thoughts. I dominate those things that tell me that I have to go back to what I was, that I can't overcome, that I can't make it through. I had to go to a bottle. I had to go to a drug. I had to go to pornography. I had to go to something else to try to medicate. I don't need a medication. I've had a blood transfusion. I've got new blood inside of me. I've got a new nature that is not subject to hell, but has stepped through hell and stripped the keys of death straight out of Satan's hands. Come on. We are, we are people of faith. Do you realize this? And I got to stop. But do you realize this? Jesus or God under the old covenant, he picked the Jews. He picked a natural race of the Jewish people. You realize this, those people would get mad and rip their clothes and lay in ashes and shave their head and cry out to God. And then they'd go to war and they'd defeat their enemies. This is the same people that when it came time to do the, 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 uh, the feasts and the sacrifices and all of that, it would be days of rejoicing, days of offering sacrifices to God. And actually the praise at times could be heard so loud before certain battles or conflicts that it could be heard miles away. And Jesus is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Which means that same energy, that same fight, that same power, that same bloodline lives in you. Come on, I know about situations in this room where people have things with their kids that are not good. I plead the blood. Now, we are believing God for your family, so do not counter my prayers. <laughs> or the, the, the corporate prayer team, don't counter them. Stay in faith. I was in a service years ago. And it doesn't matter how much time I have, I still go over. <laughs> I know, it... it uh, exactly. That's from a Baptist right there. You can't, I mean, <laughs> you, you know the spirit of religion has been broken. We, <laughs> hey, <laughs> I was in a service years ago and there's this lady that was sharing her testimony. She was in a, a lesbian lifestyle. And every year her grandma would send her a Bible for Christmas. She hated it. And she had, this lady was in a lesbian life, not like, I think I might be this. She was married more than once, all of this stuff, to, to another woman, of course. And all of this stuff was an advocate for these things, fighting for these things. But her grandma just kept praying for her. Wouldn't quit. Kept sending her a Bible. How many know if they burn the Bible, you send them, there's always another one available? How many know God's not in heaven going, well, that's it. They burned it. I'm done with them. 
He went to hell for them. He's not giving up. And, and uh, kept, then one year, this lady was, because of the, these choices, became an alcoholic was trying to deal with, how many know God is dealing on the inside of people? I don't care what they say on the outside. God is dealing with them. And when they're by themselves, the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, I'm here, you need to come with me. And they're trying to get away from things. That's why they turn to drugs. That's why they turn to alcohol. They're trying to shut the voices off in their head, they think. But I know, there are so many testimonies. There's one of the, one of the guitarists, one of the former lead guitarists for Corn. Uh, Got saved snorting drugs. God doesn't care what you're on. He can bypass it all, sober you like that, and redeem your soul from hell. And you'll become one of the greatest dreadlock tattooed preachers that the world has ever seen. And God will say, yeah, I love them. I'm for them. I want them. I want them in my fold. And where the world would reject and malign and hurt and destroy, God restores and heals and brings back and stops gossiping about them. And says, oh, my church, my religious church doesn't like them. I'm going to give them a huge platform of influence over my whole body. That's how God operates. This lesbian lady, former... She's saved now. She, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but she picked up that Bible because she was in a horrible place. And I don't remember, the Lord didn't appear to her, but I think the Lord basically put her to sleep like he did Abraham. And she had been reading her Bible because she was lost. She had just gotten divorced a second time in these, you know, just full of pride and drinking, just trying to make it through life without God. How many know, there's no way. And when she woke up out of that sleep and out of what the Lord had, had done in her, she was completely delivered of that lifestyle. Gave her heart to the Lord fully. She's a preacher. She goes to the gay parades, the homosexual and all of the, the whole, all the letters that they put on those parades. And I don't mean that. I just don't know all of them. Okay. So, and he, she would go and she preached Jesus to them. And they say, well, they would say things like, well, I'm, I can have this lifestyle and serve Jesus. No, you can't. You cannot. If you have Jesus in your heart, everything, hear me, straightens out. And that is not hate speech. YouTube, Facebook, what else are we on? Whatever we're on. Vimeo, I pay you, you can't cut me off. <laughs> it's love speech. I love you enough to tell you, you need to repent. Well, I'm struggling with this and that. Hey, I get it. I get it. Do you know that pornography is just as bad as anything else? You know, as Christians, we label things. 
You just need to get free. You say, how do I do that? Go to the throne. Let self-control develop in you. You will overcome. I posted a, on my uh, Instagram, on my story, I posted a lady that was sharing about how she got delivered from a lesbian lifestyle and she was married. And all these Christians came up to her like, oh, you got married. And they acted like marriage was her victory. And she was so irritated. She said, Jesus was my victory. This was her response to homosexuality, a homosexual lifestyle. Her response was, I received the self-control of Jesus. All sexual sin is a matter of uncontrolled flesh. That's all it is. That is all it is. That's all it is. You just need some supernatural self-control. And it starts with receiving Jesus. Joy, you want to come? Every head bowed, every eye closed. What a great day, Lord. Thank you. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3.11 that God has planted eternity in men's hearts and minds. It's divinely implanted. It's a sense of purpose working through the ages which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. So dissatisfaction in your life is the result of a lack of God in your eternal desire that's in you. So what does the Bible say about this? The Bible says that God loves us and doesn't want us to perish. 1 Timothy 2.4 says God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. The Bible also says that all have sinned. And sin causes separation from God. That's what it does. The sin nature separates us from God. But the answer is not God leaving us separated. But Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we stumble. But what is the answer? Jesus, the free gift. Romans chapter 6, verse number 23 says this. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you can't earn heaven, but you can receive the free gift to get you there. And not only that, you can receive the free gift to come into your own heart right now, whether you're watching online or sitting in the room. God wanted us to be brought back into relationship with him. He so desires us. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, and 9 that God demonstrated his own love toward us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, while we were his enemy, he died for us. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. So the answer then is receiving grace. It's receiving this free gift by and forgiveness by faith, by trusting in Christ. John chapter 1, verse number 12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. In other words, you have a blood transfusion. You become a child of God to those who believe in his name. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart, you, the person listening, with your heart, you believe unto righteousness and with your mouth, confession is made unto salvation. 
So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you want to receive that salvation today or rededicate your life to the Lord today to have that cleansing work of the blood operate in your life, I just want you to raise your hand where you're at. And I'd love to pray with you. Thank you. Is there anybody else? I'll wait just a minute. And I'll say this as well. For those of you that are sitting here, maybe you've been raised or you've been in church your whole life. And you think, well, I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. I do good things. I'll tell you this. The only way into heaven is through receiving Jesus Christ. There is no person that is good enough. There is no person that is good enough to enter in. But yet God in his grace gave you Jesus. So if you don't know that you know that you've received him, you can't pinpoint a time in your life where you did that. I would hate to you, for you to miss this opportunity as well. So if that's you, would you raise your hand? You know that you know. Praise God. All right, everybody, if you'd pray with me. And with these that receive, are receiving Jesus. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you that your son Jesus came to this earth. Lived a sinless life. And died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose from the dead so that I could receive forgiveness, become your child, and receive the gift of eternal life. I come to you now. I repent of sin. And I receive the gift of forgiveness. I give you all my life and all my heart. I believe you have accepted me because you said, the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. You also said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you for saving me, making me your child. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.